the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed hour number two underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Tuesday morning, the 18th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2018. After California professor Christine Ford detailed a sexual misconduct allegation against Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the Washington Post, senators from both parties said she needed to be heard. That is now expected next week. The Judiciary Committee abruptly set a Monday hearing. It's important that there be a very thorough interview and that we see both individuals respond to the allegations. Maine Republican Susan Collins is a potential swing vote on the Supreme Court nominee's confirmation. Republican leaders initially planned staff telephone interviews with Ford and Kavanaugh. So if it was so important for both of these individuals to be heard on the matter, why were they not heard on the matter? during the confirmation process. Why did Dianne Feinstein sit on this ridiculously bogus charge, this ridiculous allegation, until the 11th hour, just four days before the actual vote and one day before the markup of the nomination to come forward for that vote? That's what what needs to be asked here. And I don't think we really need to ask it very long because uh, the answer is very, very obvious. It's right in front of your nose. This is politics, pure and simple. This is the Hail Mary to stop the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh or anyone else until after the Republicans lose the House and impeachment proceedings can begin. Joining us now to react a little bit further on this. We've been talking about it all morning, but we don't have his viewpoint yet. Peter Kersenow, Cleveland attorney, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, uh, and also well-known author of Target Omega and Second Strike. Peter, good to have you back, my friend. How are you? Doing great, Bob, and good to be on again. 32 days to the World Series. And, um, you know, let's see what Bill Belichick does with Josh Gordon. I'm 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 very interested to see what happens there. 
Well, I'm, I'm even more interested in the fact that Bill Belichick now has Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman. So uh, we'll see what happens. Well, <laughs> I, I, th- I think they released Col- Corey Coleman, didn't they? Uh, no, the Bills, the Bills released him. D- d- the Bills released him, and the Patriots uh, picked him up. Uh, oh, I thought they also released him. But I, oh, I, mean, if they, I, about that. I could I be, they, too. Once they got Gordon, they released him. I could be, too, because two things I care very little about are the, the New England Patriots and Corey Coleman. Uh, so, okay. Uh, <laughs> Peter, uh, uh, what I do care about is Brett Kavanaugh. What I do care about is this unbelievable slander uh, that is being committed against him. And I also care about Democrat reaction to this slander. Here's Dick Durbin on CNN. And apologies for that. It should be firing one more time. Do you believe her story? Well, I can tell you, it, it really does have a ring of truth to it. The fact that she can refer to therapist notes uh, so that she did bring it up before. Uh, I am skeptical of polygraphs, but for those who believe them, uh, she has passed a polygraph test. So I'd say at this point, the fact that she would come forward to defend herself adds credibility to her charge. Um, Chuck Schumer said uh, in, uh, I guess this was on Sunday on Meet the Press, said that, quote, Senator Grassley must postpone the vote until at a very minimum these serious and credible allegations are thoroughly investigated. And I'm focusing on that word because it's the same word you just heard from from Durbin. They have their talking points in order. They're saying this is a credible allegation. Pete, I want to know where credibility comes into play. When you are talking about an allegation that is A, 36 years old, that is B, um, it has exactly zero witnesses who can, who can corroborate the allegation. The only witness identified by the accuser says she's nuts. That never happened. There is, she talked to no police officers. She talked to no girlfriends. She talked to no parents. She talked to no teachers about this. She never brought it up until she talked to a therapist about it in 2012. And at that time, she said there were four men who did this to her. And now, publicly, she's saying there are just two men who did this to her. Where do you find credibility at any level of her story, Pete? Yeah, that was a great recitation, Bob. And it all points to the lack of credibility. Now, we know that both Schumer and Durbin are partisan and, frankly, uh, in this context, despicable buffoons. They're smearing a fine man. All the evidence shows that he's a fine man. One of the things that you didn't mention, Bob, you probably mentioned it before, is typically when you have somebody who engages in behavior like this, it is part of a pattern. All we have gotten in all the months of testimony and the review of Kavanaugh's records is this is a sterling individual who couldn't even possibly think about something like this. Beyond that, let's take a look at some of the things that you just recited. Um, This whole issue of it being 36 years ago and then the Democrats claiming this was credible and so serious. If it was so serious, if it was that serious, why in the course of the two-month pendency of this nomination, when Dianne Feinstein first got it in July, did they not, because of the seriousness, say, wait a minute, hold it, we have this information here, we must conduct hearings on it, we have to interview Kavanaugh about it. They had scores of opportunities, both in personal meetings and during the confirmation hearing, to ask Kavanaugh about it. They could have asked the FBI to continue investigation with respect to something like this. They could have brought it up in the thousand-plus written questions they posed to him. At no time did these serious, allegedly serious, incredible allegations get raised by the Democrats themselves. And now they say, having had this in their custody for more than two months, that we must delay this to, to address these serious allegations. 
Bob, you look, think back to something that occurred to you in your childhood that you think is important or serious. This woman, and I have no idea about her credibility or anything else, all I'm looking at is the information. I know that if I were faced with uh, this kind of information in a legal proceeding, there are so many questions I'd be asking. The holes are self-evident. But she claimed at one point that she thought that Kavanaugh might inadvertently kill her. That's pretty serious. Now, I remember back to when I was her age, the most... um, uh, important adverse thing that had happened to me at her age was I got in a car accident where I totaled my father's car. By the way, totaling my father's car was the thing that frightened me more than anything else, despite the fact that I spent two weeks in the hospital. But I could tell because you... Because he might inadvertently kill you? That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> the two weeks in the hospital were the least of my concerns. I was just scared to death. And I told the cops, don't let my father see me. Don't." <laughs> but in any event, I spent two weeks in the hospital. I can tell you chapter and verse every detail about that incident. I still remember the date. It was March 13th, 1970. March 13th, it was a Friday. It was Friday the 13th. I still remember the song that was playing on the radio. It was um, Spirit in the Sky. I remember all the details about it, every single one. Yet I wasn't killed. I got hurt badly. But if she thought she was on the verge of being killed, I think she'd remember, for example, the things she can't remember now. What year it was. We're we're told it could have been anywhere from 1979 to 1982. We don't even know what month it was in. She can't remember who was there. She first claimed that there were four boys there. Then in, in the therapist's notes, it says four boys, and she says, well, there are only two present in the room and two others. Then her attorney says there was a girl present also. She can't remember how she got there or got home. None of those kinds of details, the most basic details, are gone. Now, what the left will probably say is, well, she has repressed memory syndrome. They will come up with every excuse imaginable, and what we know is this well, is well, a Pete, Pete, if, I, if I may, on... I'm sorry, but just to the point about repressed memory, that not that exactly why we need to just dispense with this ridiculous hearing in the first place? Anything that she says is going to be highly um, questionable because she can't remember it. Whether it's repressed intentionally or subconsciously or whatever, the fact that she can't recall it, and in the two times she has tried to recall it, uh, with the therapist in 2012 and now she is telling two different stories, it does that not just prove that nothing she says can be trusted to, to, to be verifiable and credible enough to make a judgment as to Brett Kavanaugh's character? I think that's a good point, Bob. She also never told her husband until this 2012 therapy session. Didn't even tell it to her husband. It just happened to come out in the 2012 therapy session, and Kavanaugh's name wasn't mentioned. Right. And that the notes, which every lawyer would much prefer contemporaneously written notes to somebody's oral recollection, the notes of the therapist don't mention Kavanaugh, but also claim that there were four boys there. She claimed that now that there were two in the room. Originally, right. her counts keep varying. But 
She doesn't even remember whose house it was, Pete. That's the other thing. Right, she was. No, she doesn't know whose home it is. She doesn't know how she got to it, who she went to the party with, how she got home from it. She remembers zero about it, but we're supposed to take her when she speaks on Monday to the Senate that what she says is going to be believable. How can it be believable when nothing that she says has matched? She, 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 she remembers nothing, and yet we're supposed to take her uh, testimony and weigh it against Brett Kavanaugh's. I just... I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm just angry, Pete. I'm angry that the yeah. Republicans are caving in and, and delaying the vote at all. They are going to walk him into a trap on Monday that will serve no purpose whatsoever instead of just keeping the vote on Thursday when it was supposed to be, ruling this exactly what it is, an 11th hour Hail Mary political ploy. The problem is that you had one guy, Jeff Flake, appropriately named, and Grassley knew that he couldn't go forward and get Kavanaugh confirmed with that guy out there. Uh, but, you know, in addition to that, Bob, ask yourself, why would anyone spend an entire weekend deleting their social media account in advance that, of this? Unless they had something they did not want the public to see because it's going to it's going to. Uh conflict with with public statements pete uh let's continue this i do want to get more thoughts on this but i also want to talk about the president's uh demand that uh uh uh, russia russia investigation documents and fisa court documents be uh, be uh, declassified so that we can really see what was said in all of those secret testimony and more we'll talk about that as we continue on AM 1420 the answer still working on a few problems all right, 1025, now the Bob France Authority continuing with Peter Kersenow, Cleveland attorney, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, host of the Kersenow Report, and also the author of Target Omega and Second Strike. Get the former on uh, paper in paperback, get the latter in hardcover now uh, at a bookstore near you or at Amazon.com. Okay, Pete, um, so Brett Kavanaugh is going to go through these new round of questioning on Monday. Supposedly, Ford is going to go, although she has not, to my knowledge, at least, at least at this point in time, confirmed that she will be there. If she tries or they try, her attorney tries to delay this and say she's not ready to testify yet. She will be in a few weeks, pushing this closer and closer to the midterm election, making it even more clear as to what this really is, which is nothing but a delay and stall tactic to try to get us past that election. Uh, uh, should, should Grassley then say, that's it, you had your chance, too bad, now we're voting? You know, unfortunately, I hate to say this. I really hate to say this. It depends on whether or not Jeff Flake puts on his big boy pants and does the right thing. Otherwise, we can't get Kavanaugh confirmed. And then that. You don't think we'll get a single Democrat vote, though, to counter Flake? I think if there's a peel off from any Republicans, then I don't believe that even the mansions of the world will vote for him. That's my concern. Grassley's going to have to be counting heads. He's going to have to make sure he's got enough votes. And I think he'll do a good job of that. If I were to give Grassley, and I don't presume to give him any advice on this or anybody on the committee any advice on this, but Please I think do. If, if he were to do this in the way that it used to be handled long time ago, when I think we were more serious and were adults in the United States of America, I would have any senators questioning any of the, whether it's Ford or whether it's Kavanaugh. I wouldn't have senators question them. I would have a counsel, somebody who's experienced in answering, asking questions like this, somebody who is dogged, somebody who doesn't care about political correctness. And the virtue of that is it insulates then the senators from political considerations to a much larger extent. They don't have to worry about looking, you know, 
uh, as if they're being harsh toward her and, you know, in this so-called Me Too movement that they are uh, not believing the woman, quote-unquote. Have this done in a responsible adult-like fashion, and then you have that counsel asking the same questions you just posed a short time ago, I just posed, and they have to be tough but adult questions, such as why don't you remember these kinds of things and go through the litany of things, and why didn't you tell contemporaneously if you thought you were about to be killed? This is such a traumatic incident. Almost everybody understands that the first thing you'd be doing is you'd at least be telling friends, if not your parents. If you thought this was an attempted yeah. rape, you might even get in touch with the police or your parents were. But there are no contemporaneous accounts of this allegedly serious incident. Incident. Pete, this That's is a this huge is why red flag. this is why I don't understand the purpose of Monday. Because let's suppose for a second she shows up, everything that you just said will be said. Everything will be pointed out to her. They will ask her, "Why didn't you talk to somebody? How come you don't remember this, 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 and this? How come you said four now too? Blah blah." She's going to come off looking like what she is to me, uh, a, a, a fabricator of stories, a teller of tall tales. What? But he, but the Democrats are going to believe her anyway. Judge Kavanaugh is going to sit up there and and just completely deny anything and everything as he has from the very beginning here. He absolutely categorically denies it all. At the end of it all, nothing will be different Monday night than there is today on Tuesday morning. Nothing. So why would Jeff Flake be much more inclined to vote for Judge Kavanaugh then than he is right now? Nothing will change on Monday. Well, I don't know that nothing will change, but we do know this. He said, "What do you think could change?" He said he would vote no if there were no hearing. Grassley's faced with that conundrum, that he would vote no, and therefore he wouldn't have the votes to get him confirmed. Now, he, Jeff Flake gets the hearing, he gets the hearing, and we know that Ford is not going to be persuasive. It's not going to happen, and Kavanaugh is going to still be the pillar of rectitude that he is. And then Flake is put in the dock. Flake can't well, Flake can do anything because he's a Flake. But it will be a lot Middle name Snow. <laughs> right. It will be a lot less plausible for him to say, oh, she's credible, when we've highlighted all of these defects. Now, maybe she'll come off better, but the problem is there are already so many defects that can't be remedied. Peter Kirsten now joining us for one more segment after this. We will talk about the President of the United States, who yesterday ordered the declassification of very key documents related to the FBI investigation of Russian actions during the election and declassification of t- pages and pages of text messages as well. Pete, I want to get your thoughts on that as we continue. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1033 now. We continue with Peter Kersenow, Cleveland attorney, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, talking a lot about Brett Kavanaugh and the uh, last second 11th hour Hail Mary pass thrown by the Democrats to try to stop his confirmation. And, uh, Pete, I also want to talk about the other big news yesterday. It got a lot less play than it would have ordinarily, I think. And that is the president ordering declassification of several key documents related to the investigation of the of Russian actions and potential Trump collusion. That's what the uh, uh, special counsel was assigned for, of course, uh, but also of the uh, several pages of text messages between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. These had been uh, redacted previously and then not been made public. Now they're going to be. Democrats say this is selective declassification. Only things that are going to help uh, Trump's cause have been ordered to be released, and they want everything to be released or nothing. And what say you? I say they don't want anything released. When you listen to all the Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, they are apoplectic that these things are going to be uh, unredacted, that they're going to be released, because they will then not be able to maintain the fiction of Trump-Russia collusion. 
it's important for them to have certain things out there that the public hasn't seen so they can make reference to the fact that there are things out there. Oh, my goodness. As you see Schiff out there for more than a year out there claiming that he's seen evidence of Russia collusion but can't pinpoint anything. So when we get to see the same things they've seen, we'll be able to conclude, and the media will have a more difficult time. But believe me, the media will do whatever they can because they've been so hopelessly corrupted and biased to make it appear as if there's some there there. But there is nothing there. And the problem is that responsible outlets, which are clearly diminishing these days, are going to be able to say unequivocally, hey, there's no there there. This is going to, I think this is a, a very, very good development, but it's just the funniest thing in the world to see the folks who are purportedly conducting the investigation and want more information are the ones who are saying, no, don't give us more information. And the guys who are the subject of the investigation or target of the investigation, or at least the objective of the investigation, they're the ones who are saying, I want everything else out there so that people can see there is nothing there. Well, We're in a weird, weird spot here in the country today. We are, Pete. And, and you know, it's weird. It's like the, it's like congressional Democrats are just keeping up with Barack Obama's hypocrisy when he proclaimed at the start of his administration uh, to be the most transparent admis- uh, administration in American history. And of course, what it was was exactly the opposite of that. It was the most opaque administration in history. And it's the same thing now. The Republic or the Trump uh, administration and Republicans in Congress are calling for transparency. Let's see all of these things. And they want the same thing. They want to claim transparency. But in Instead, they want everything covered up. Everything that's out there to this point, Bob, allows you and me and most of your listeners to conclude very clearly that this was, as some people have said, a giant setup. That that sounds bizarre to say in the United States of America that the organs of the United States government, that is, the Obama administration, at the highest levels were coordinating to dictate the outcome of an election, and then when the election didn't go in their way, to damage the incoming president and to hamstring him. But all of the evidence we've seen thus far points in that direction. It appears as if at the highest levels of the DOJ, FBI, State Department, Justice Department, that individuals were coordinating and manipulating the process, perhaps in unlawful ways, to try to achieve a desired outcome. We had thought, you know, many of us on the right had made jocular reference to the swamp. I, and I've said on your show that when I was in Washington, um, you know, in different capacities, I saw the swamp firsthand. But I think many of us have been surprised at the depth and breadth of the swamp and how virulently they will protect their interests. I think that this declassification is a great step. It deprives them of the arguments that they've been using, and I think it it really puts the, the shoe on the other foot now. Individuals are going to have to start explaining themselves, and I think there are a lot of people who are in great legal jeopardy. Many of them have already been identified, but at the very top, it is incredible to me that we have a media, and I'm also talking about the conservative media, although they don't necessarily have access to them, have not been posing these questions, even rhetorically, to Barack Obama. None of this could have happened, as I said to you almost two years ago. None of this could have happened as a practical matter unless it got a sign-off at the very, very top. 
and I go back to January 20th of, of, of 2017 when Susan Rice, one of the stupidest people ever to inhabit the office of National Security Advisor or any other position in Washington, wrote an email to herself <laughs> that was one of these damning emails that says, well, Barack Obama said we must do everything with respect to the Spygate by the book. Why the heck would anyone, everyone in the world knows that's papering the file, that's a CYA maneuver? And why did she do that after the meeting with all the major principals in the Obama administration related to this, with Comey and others? Um, if there should, it's, it's just extraordinary that we haven't had in an investigation in all of the manifestly just corrupt things and biased things that were going on during 2016 and the early part of 2017. Perhaps Huber is doing this investigation, although we haven't had any inkling that that, in fact, is happening. I'm hopeful that that's going on. But nonetheless, where's the media on all this? They are witnessing unfolding before them the greatest political scandal, and that's not a hype, the greatest political scandal in American history, and they are still diligently looking for any reason why they can hook on to a George Papadopoulos who George, uh, Donald Trump had never even met, who got a full 14 days in jail because he said something to the FBI that was incorrect. And they're focusing all their energies on that when we've got the greatest corruption that we've ever seen right in front of them. It is exactly that. It is exactly that. When one administration actually helps coordinate um, the politicization of the FBI and the DOJ to stop another administration from taking over because it is promising to undo all of the, you know, the benchmarks of, uh, of the current administration. And that's what Trump did. He said, I'm going to undo everything Obama did. He worked his tail off illegally, in my opinion, did Obama and his associates in order to stop Trump from winning. It is the biggest scandal, not only of this century, but maybe in the history of presidential politics and in, in, in including the uh, um, the resignation of Richard Nixon. Uh, Pete, I know you're on borrowed time, so I'll let you go here. I appreciate the time. Uh, uh, you didn't you didn't give us a countdown, by the way, and I'm a little disappointed. I've already gotten three text messages from people wanting to know when the World Series starts. I thought I told you 32 days. No, you did. You start. You start. You started out with the with the Gordon thing, uh, the the Browns thing, and uh, either that or I did. I don't know. Maybe I forgot it already. All right, thirty two days until the Indians are in the World Series. I guess that's all we needed to hear. Peter, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much for the great analysis. Thank you, Bob. You got it. That's Peter Kirstenau right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Did he give it to us, Sam? Did I miss it? He gives the countdown. I, he did. Okay. Then I then I misheard it because I was focused on the Browns portion of our conversation. So apologies for that. Peter almost skipped this uh, this hit today. He texted me yesterday morning saying, "By the way, Bob, I won't be available on Tuesday morning for our regular conversation because I'll be trying out as for the uh, for the uh, Browns place kicking uh, position." So, uh, uh, and you know what? Peter's in good enough shape. He could probably do it better than Zane Gonzalez did. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to take a time out here, uh, an early, early one in this half hour, so that we can come back and get a few of your phone calls. If you want to get in on the Kavanaugh story or the declassification of the FISA court uh, documentation and the text messages, either one of those things, or if you want to go off the rails, I'm uh, pretty much game for anything. I've spent a lot of time on Kavanaugh. And by the way, before I go to the break, um, thank you to David. I think it's David who tweeted to me a few moments ago. Again, I try to read uh, good tweets on the radio. Um, when they pertain to what we're talking about. It was David who said to me uh, at France Radio, you are not beating this Kavanaugh thing to death. This is extraordinarily important. The Republicans are spineless weasels who are once again being manipulated by the Democrats. 
And he tagged into that at GOP, at GOP Senate Majority, at Fox News, at Maria Bartiromo, at Don Washkevitz, and at Jim Jordan, and at Senate Majority Leader. So uh, thank you. Uh, uh, David, I appreciate that. Um, I, I really don't want to continue to beat this thing into the ground, uh, but it is that important. That's why I did it yesterday. It's why I've continued to do it today. So if you want to get in on it, do it now, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten forty-six. Final segment of the Bob France Authority for this Tuesday morning. Phone lines remain open to you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five to get in now before the top of the hour. I also want to share with you another perspective on this from uh, townhall.com. Uh, and again, I can't tell you enough uh, how much I recommend Town Hall is a great way to start your news day. Townhall.com is just a great place to be. And full disclosure, of course, Town Hall is indeed a Salem Media Group property, um, but it just also happens to be a, a, amazing. It really provides you uh, with the news from the credible point of view rather than the fake news point of view that you're going to get if you start your day with CNN or MSNBC or anywhere else for that matter. So anyway, uh, townhall.com. Uh, wants you to consider a few things and wants everyone to consider a few things before believing Judge Brett Kavanaugh's accuser. A few aspects of this scenario that should give everyone pause. Number one, we don't have any evidence. None. The other man that Christine Blasey Ford alleges was present for the assault, Mark Judge, denies the incident. He said so to the Weekly Standard last week and insisted he never witnessed any uh, any of that kind of behavior from Kavanaugh and that he was not in any room in which something like this took place. Perhaps support for Ford's claim, uh, claims will be brought to light, but for now, we're going off single testimony, the original messenger of which Senator Dianne Feinstein has demonstrated adamant opposition to the Kavanaugh nomination. So we cannot take her at face value that she is truly looking out for the best interests of an alleged abuse victim or an alleged tr- abuse attempt which is essentially what they described this as, or she describes this as. Senator Feinstein tried to derail the Kavanaugh nomination literally at the very beginning of day one of the confirmation hearings. You can't trust her to be looking out for anybody's best interest here except for her own and her party's. Without further proof, we simply do not know if this is anything more than a politically motivated attack. And, of course, we do know that it is that. But number two, Kavanaugh has rejected the claims. Soon after Feinstein's memo was released, he said he did not do this back in high school or at any time. In defense of his honor, 65 women penned a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee claiming to have known Kavanaugh for 35 years. They affirm that Kavanaugh has stood out for his friendship, his character, and his integrity. Kavanaugh has many peers, colleagues, friends on both sides of the political aisle who have vouched for his character. It is also already difficult to believe that Kavanaugh would have only pulled a stunt like this once. Predators often have a pattern of predation. And I want to stop there because I want to double down on that. I read to you from um, the Wall Street Journal's editorial in the first hour, who pointed out the very same thing. And then I spoke with Peter Kirsten out earlier this hour, who pointed out the very same thing. These kinds of people who commit sexual assaults or near sexual assaults or at the very least sexual harassment, pressing up against somebody against their will, these kinds of things, 
They do it all the time. Look at the uh, the individuals, uh, Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein um, uh, Bill Clinton, for crying out loud. Look at all of these people who have been accused of these things. It's multiple accusations so many of t- uh, times. Kersenow said it. The Wall Street Journal said it. Now Town Hall is saying it is true. That's a very important point. Nobody's really talking about uh, back to town hall, it is even more difficult to believe that if Kavanaugh is a typical serial predator, he's been able to fool so many people into thinking that he's a good person. I mean, that is so true. When you think about, for example, Harvey Weinstein, who was kind of the uh, the genesis of the Me Too movement, you know, it was well known it came out after the fact, after the first few accusations were made, that it was well known. You don't want to be caught up in Harvey's room alone. Women, do not go up there to talk about roles with him. Do not go up there if you're an actress or an aspiring actress or or a writer or anything else. Um, Don't go up there to discuss business. Ask to see him down in the lobby. Ask to see him in places where there are people. Do not go up there because everybody knew. He had a reputation. Brett Kavanaugh has a reputation of being a uh, 12-year federal judge, uh, spending several years in the Bush White House, being a happily married family man, coach of his kids' sports teams, just about as squeaky clean as it could be. Nobody has ever alleged anything like this. Until when? Until he's nominated for the Supreme Court by a man that the left and the Me Too movement despises, by Donald Trump. I said this yesterday, and I'm departing from the uh, town hall piece here again just to opine. This is so much more about Donald Trump than it is about Brett Kavanaugh. That's the sad tragedy of it all, or or one of the saddest tragedies of this whole thing. The fact that if you want to work for Donald Trump, you are taking your own personal privacy and your personal life, and you are just you're throwing it into the garbage. You're 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 putting it all at risk. If you take a job in his cabinet. If you are appointed to a position, you're just, even if you're just, I mean, we all know this, even if you're just a voter for Donald Trump, you know you're in a lot of trouble with a lot of people who are going to try to uh, make your life a living hell. But if you try to actually work in an official capacity, this is what is done to you. A man who has been an honorable, decent man of character and integrity his entire life is now being accused of, of attempted sexual assault from 36 years ago by a woman with absolutely zero recollection of any of the details. With zero evidence, zero witnesses. And yet he has to go through this. This public destruction of his character. How is this ever going to make anybody want to work for Donald Trump again? No one will. If, God willing, he has one. If President Trump gets a second term. Good luck filling out all of those very important positions. Because everybody knows they're going to look at this and they're going to say, you're going to be Kavanaugh if you have to go through a Senate confirmation process. You're going to be Kavanaugh if you are appointed to a position on his cabinet. We've been using the word Bork as a verb for 30 years. You're going to be Kavanaugh. All somebody has to do is claim. You know what I wrote on Facebook yesterday as an example of all of this? I wrote this on Facebook last night. And I'm going to read it uh, on live radio because of the absurdity of it all. (laughs) Excuse me. Still fighting that cough. Apologies. So here's what I wrote. 36 years ago, Nancy Pelosi tried to sexually assault me. I had suppressed that painful memory until just now. 
about 50 days prior to the midterm elections. I have no proof, no evidence, and no witnesses to this event. But she should withdraw her name from the ballot and resign from the House anyway, just because of the accusation. That is how this works, right? And then I put uh, several spaces down just to protect myself, not a real accusation, maybe illustrate a point, because I can already see uh, having the lawyer up and defend myself against such a stupid accusation against Nancy Pelosi. But is mine any less credible than Christine Blasey Ford's is? It really isn't. I have just as much evidence as she does. And to this point, she hasn't even proven publicly that she knows Brett Kavanaugh or was ever in the same house as Brett Kavanaugh, at the same party as Brett Kavanaugh. To this point, she has not proven that they've ever crossed paths before in their lives. She has nothing. No more than I do to say Nancy Pelosi once tried to sexually assault me. And I just, I forgot about it. It's been 36 years. It just came to me now. My memory was was refreshed when I saw her on television for the billionth time. Screaming about how, you know, it's okay to be Catholic and be pro-abortion. It just finally struck me. Hey, I remember her. She tried to sexually assault me once. Got any proof? No. Got any evidence? No. Got any witnesses? No. But she should resign from the House anyway. Because I said so. That's how this is. So anyway, I digress. Let me go back to um, a town hall. The choices are these. Oh, I'm sorry. I I skipped a paragraph. Excuse me. Even if this horrible situation described by Ford happened, it seems unreasonable and unrealistic that everyone should be held accountable for the mistakes they made at 17. Teenagers are infamous for their stupidity caused by an undeveloped frontal lobe. Kavanaugh's youth certainly would not negate the immorality of sexual conduct, or sexual assault, rather, but it does mean that an isolated event like this would probably speak more to his immaturity at the time than his character or his competence now. The choices are these. Kavanaugh is a predator and a sociopath who has manipulated everyone in his life into believing that he's a decent person. He was a drunk teenager who did something he shouldn't have, or he's an innocent man being falsely accused by partisan hacks. It's one of those three. The first is unlikely, as there has been literally no support whatsoever from those who know and have worked with him, that he is some sort of a deviant, some sort of a predator or sociopath. Additionally, among the hundreds of thousands of documents regarding Kavanaugh that Democrats have apparently scoured, nothing has shown that he is anything but straight-laced, fair-minded, and consistent. The second is possible, but without further evidence, it's still not quite probable. If it is true, however, the question still stands. Are we willing to set aside the precedent or excuse me, are we willing to set the precedent, rather, of condemning and disqualifying people for their isolated teenage sins? The third, sadly, wouldn't be hard to believe. Feinstein's delay in releasing the memo, plus the Democrats' relentless political theater during their confirmation hearings, plus the overall lack of substantial proof, make this story seem especially suspicious. The anti-Trump sentiment of Ford's legal, advi- of Ford's legal advisor certainly doesn't help either. Republicans will, of course, be criticized for not fully and immediately believing the victim. They will be painted as callous, misogynistic, and blindly partisan. But they should not allow the bullying and moralizing of the left to intimidate them into silence. The validity of this story must be tested, especially if it is intended to foil Kavanaugh's nomination and, worse, assassinate his character. 
It is also important to remember that Democrats first politicized Ford's story, and it is Democrats who are currently capitalizing on her alleged trauma to undermine the confirmation of a nominee that they have sworn from the very start to reject. They will paint themselves as compassionate and moral, but they likely care very little for Ford herself. They want Kavanaugh out, no matter the cost. Whether it's all true or not, one thing is for sure, this fight is just getting started. So that's where we are. And again, back to the fight um, uh, a comparison. Uh, you know, they're out there. The Democrats are out there with a big two-by-four with a nail in the end. And they're swinging it and they're fighting and trying for blood against the Republicans. And the Republicans are quietly and gentlemanlike. They're putting on their boxing gloves and they're fighting by Mar- Marquis uh, of Queensberry rules. You cannot do that. And right now, by the fact that we are not having our vote on Thursday, which we should have had, the fact that we're going into this, both sides get to be heard on Monday, shows that the Democrats are winning. The Democrats are going to delay, 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 delay. They're going to proclaim that she's not ready to go on Monday. She'll be ready to go the following week or the week after that. And pretty soon it's going to be so close to the midterm elections, they're going to say, let's do this after. And when that happens, Trump loses. When that happens... Kavanaugh is out. When that happens, the Democrats retake control of all of our government. That's the stakes. Those are the stakes. That's where we are. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for being a part of our show today. Thanks to my guest, Peter Kersenow, for his outstanding input as well. Stay where you are, because we're done. But Mike Gallagher is just getting warmed up. Gallagher next, followed by Prager and Medvedo and Secul- Medved, Seculo, Elder, and Walsh. And I'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.